Chaf Zayin Shvat Taf Shin Ayin Hey, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Duo Dot with Kanoladati uh, opens things up here on this edition of the Israel Show. Welcome one and all. We are here each and every Monday live immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern, 4 PM Israel time. Thank you so much for tuning us in, for making us a part of your day, your week. Um, open up with uh, two Mazel Tov wishes to uh, the extended JM in the AM, Nachum Siegel Network family. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov to our very good friends, Karen and Mattis Weingast, on the engagement of Ellie Weingast to Ariella Engelmeyer. Spent uh, some time yesterday celebrating with the Weingasts and the Engelmeyers, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful time for all. And yes, some people came over and told me that they listened to the Israel show. Thank you so much. It was greatly appreciated. We're happy that we are able to... Uh, do good things for good people. Um, and Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov to our very, very good friends, Rochelle and Mark Zamek, different type of Mazel Tov. They were honored by the young Israel of Tinek at the annual dinner. And um, I, I, having spent uh, many Shabbatot and Chagim with Rochelle and Mark, hosted by them, um, <clears throat> I have seen the young Israel of Tinek grow from a little little building, a little house, actually, into a beautiful, big building filled to the brim. They already need more space. And, and Mark Zamek and Rochelle Zamek have always been a very central part of the development and the growth of that wonderful, wonderful community. And it was so great 
to see Mark getting honored. I keep saying Mark, but it's Mark and Rochelle, of course. It's Mark and Rochelle, or Rochelle and Mark. It's great to see Rochelle and Mark being honored um, by their peers, by the members of the community, and uh, it, it, it it's just wonderful. And Mark gave an amazing speech. I know that it's posted. I believe it's already posted on Facebook. I'll share the link when it the whole thing is posted on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. And the theme of Mark's speech was um, giving back to the community. It was just awesome, really. I don't like long speeches. I don't sit well through long speeches. I was captivated throughout. So uh, mazel tov to Rochelle and Mark on that uh, beautiful honor. There is so much to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. Um, uh, Mattis covered a lot of the uh, news from Copenhagen and the Jewish community there yesterday on JM Sunday. If you're interested in details um, of that, go back to the archives and um, or or, um, or podcast and listen. Um, Mattis had one of the leaders of the Jewish community of uh, of uh, Copenhagen and the Chabad uh, emissary in Copenhagen discussing the situation there. I just want to point out one thing. Uh, The President of the United States last week spoke about uh, random acts, random shootings of folks, of some folks in a deli. And you would imagine, possibly, that in the course of a day, when a person constantly speaking and every word he says is measured, he misspeaks. And so he could, would get up and say, or his spokesperson could get up and say, look, the president, in course of discussion, misspoke, uh, should, have, should have worded it differently, used maybe the wrong language. But in fact, we, we all know that it wasn't a random attack, that it was an attack against Jews, um, Maybe even by radical Islamists. But the next day, I think we, I think we played it last week. The next day, the spokesperson, both for the White House and the State Department, went on to defend somehow the president. And now here it is. We have the same exact pattern. If you don't see the pattern, you're blind. First, the gunman attacks a cafe where they were having a sort of free speech gathering, and a cartoonist, a a cartoonist that has been already, what would we say, targeted by the Islamic community, was speaking there, and people from Charlie Hebdo from France had come there as well as a show of solidarity. So they went and tried to shoot it up, thankfully the uh, the security there was good enough that they didn't get through. After they finished trying to shoot up the free speech people, they went for the Jews. It was that simple, and that's exactly what happened in Paris. They shot up Shirley Hebdo, and then they went for the Jews. Huh? That doesn't take much. It doesn't take much, I would think. It doesn't take much to see. They go... Uh, Usually they go after the Jews first and then after everybody else. But, you know, so um, let's wake up, world. Let's wake up. We'll do some music. Then we'll talk about the passing of Uri Orbach. What what a loss to our community. Uh, Literally uh, a few hours ago, we'll try and do justice to his memory and, and maybe we'll do more next week. We have other things to talk about. We'll see what we get to. Here is uh, Pugi with Hora Hayachzot. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
of the album The Last Concert from the park in Tel Aviv. Mayor Weingarten, you are tuned. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You and you are tuned to the Israel Shah and the Nachum Siegel Network. Well, um, Ori Orbach, we actually posted last night on our Facebook page a request to continue saying Tehillim for him because uh, the word from Israel was that his situation, his health situation was deteriorating even more. And uh, I, I, I actually went to sleep last night dreading that I would wake up and read the news that he passed away. And that was pretty close. Yes, I woke up and literally um, a minute or two after that, I started seeing the reports that he did pass away. Um, those of you who are listening in Israel are probably more aware or very aware of who Ori Orbach is. Those of you listening in other places may not be as aware of his, um, of what we lost, let's say that, of the persona of this special, special person. I, I never met Uri Orbach in my life. He doesn't know who I am. We have no connection whatsoever. Yet I tell you that I feel like a personal loss. It's, it's sort of like when you are attached to somebody in the media and you watch them every day and you can relate to what they say and they become sort of like a part of you. Let me just tell you some of the facts. You'll get a picture and tell you a little bit about him and we'll try next week to um, flesh it out even a little more. Maybe we can find some some audio clips of Uri Orbach. He was a great uh, uh, and, and funny speaker, but um, I don't think he spoke English very well, and um, we'll, we'll try and figure out a way to bring it to you. Uri Orbach was 54 years old. He passed away just a few hours ago. Um, he was, uh, at his passing, the Minister of uh, Affairs for Senior Citizens and did a great job as that. He um, he went to uh, religious Zionist schools all his life, uh, Shiva High School in Echalim, did his army service as part of Hezder in the tank corps, 
The Hez there he was in the yeshiva in Kiryat Shmona. Many of you may know that the yeshiva is the yeshiva of Harav Tzfanya Drori, who was, um, who was a, a Talmud, one of the close Talmudim of Ratsu Yehuda Kuk. After Uri Arbach finished his military service uh, in Kiryat Arba Yeshiva, he decided to remain there and he worked as a teacher. He taught in Kiryat Arba in uh, the Rambam school for a number of years. And he really showed early talent as a writer. And he started writing within the religious Zionist community in different, um, in different forums. And as time went by, people recognized that he does have a talent and he, his visibility grew and ultimately as a journalist in, a, in, in the general population of Israel, I think uh, he had two great accomplishments. Uh, one is that every uh, week for 13 years, he wrote a column, sort of like an op-ed piece, in uh, Yidiot Achronot, in the weekend edition of Yidiot Achronot. It was um, usually divided into three short pieces, um, each one tackling a different uh, a different piece of news of the day. It was always very sharp. It always represented religious Zionism in the best way. And uh, it used humor, it used uh, cynicism sometimes, uh, but always, but never harsh, never hateful, never spiteful. Um, and I got to tell you, that was the first place I opened the newspaper to every single weekend for many, many years to see what Uri Orbach writes and to share it. Share it afterwards it was like the water cooler talk. The other thing that in in the general media that he will be most remembered for is a radio program which is still around after a few decades although it, it, it's already uh, on its way out Galeit Sahal has a program every single day at 11 in the morning called Hamilaha Acharona, the last word and the idea was to take a religious person like Uri Orbach and a secular person a right wing person like Uri Orbach and a left wing Person, the secular left wing, the religious right wing. Put them together at a table and let them share the hour discussing topics of the day, and each one brings their opinion to the show. Um, and Uri Orbach was amazing at it, and I think that helped the general Israeli public get to know who, who he was, that he could express the ideas of religious Zionism and of the right wing in Israel in a in a, in a pleasant way, with charm, with chain, right? He was, he was charismatic, but not in the, in the way that you think of a charismatic leader who speaks, you know, like a, he was a very soft-spoken person. And through his sincerity that, came, that, that everyone could see and hear over the year, and his Quite frankly, his, his, uh, smarts, he was, he, I think was a very intelligent person through the intelligence of his arguments and through the humor. He won over a lot of people and he won over the co-host, Avri Gilad, who was very much in the left wing of Israeli, uh, um, of the, of the Israeli political spectrum, a journalist, Started out in Galit Sahal, was very popular, very funny also, very popular, totally secular, and totally left-wing. Today, he writes, and this is well known, but today, after Uri Orbach passed away, he wrote, Uri Orbach is responsible for the fact that today, I am closer to the right-wing in Israel than I am to the left-wing in Israel. Because of the way he presented his arguments, they were logical, they were sensitive, they were smart, and he won him over. Now, that's amazing. In fact, the, the radio show Hamilaha Acharuna is now going off the air, and the official reason is, well, it's not interesting anymore because everybody there is now on the right. Isn't that funny? They had, they had a show where two conflicting opinions were battling it out, and the two conflicting opinions don't conflict anymore because one side convinced the other side. That's amazing. And that says a lot about who 
Uriobach was. He, he, through his sensitivity and his charm and his wit and his intelligence, he created a bridge between secular Israel and Orthodox Israel, between left and right. Pretty, pretty amazing. Well, at some point in his life, in December of 2008 actually, he decided to join politics, to leave journalism and join politics. And he became a member of what was the Mafdal, the, the classic Mizrahi, which was at its lowest, lowest ebb. I think the year that he ran, they got three Knesset seats. And he was uh, given a leadership position and he decided that the party, if it's going to progress, if it is going to move ahead, if it's going to grow, if it's ever going to be a factor again in Israeli politics, needs a different kind of leader. Someone, not him, someone else. And he went and looked for such a leader. Imagine that. You, can you imagine the head of a political party, young man, saying to himself and to everybody else around him, you know what, I'm not good enough for this position as much as I'm here now. We need somebody else to lead and I'm going to find him. And it was he, Uri Orbach, who brought Naftali Bennett into the Bayit HaYehudi. And it was he, Uri Orbach, who pushed that in the primaries before the previous election, Naftali Bennett should be given the number one spot in the Bayit HaYehudi, and ultimately, I believe that it's not wrong to say that it was Uri Orbach's victory as much as it was Naftali Bennett's victory when the Bayit HaYehudi was so successful in the last elections. That tells you so much about a person. No ego. He's just ready to say, I don't need to be at the top. I don't need to be at the head. Somebody else will lead, and I will be there to help. That's who he was. Corruption, not there. Never. Never. So in a world that we live in, of, 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 of unfortunately, political world, of corruption, of ego, he was, he was the opposite of those. And he will be missed by many. And our community is much, much poorer in leadership for his passing. Was 54 years old. His funeral is taking place, I think, just about now in Israel. And an appropriate song, I believe, would be Naomi Shemer's Anashim Tovim Be'emtza Haderech. He was a good person in the middle of doing, in the middle of the road, and yet his life was just cut short. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
נעמי שמר, אנשים טובים באמצע הדרך. And we remember Uri Orbach with that song. My name is Mayor Wangart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. And we are also heard on Arutz Sheva English Broadcast Radio. Welcome one and all. We thank you for joining us. Um, we are sponsored. Let's say that. We are sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, a wonderful, amazing organization. And there's so much talk about Aliyah from Europe now. Well, we don't have to wait for the situation, God forbid, to become as bad in America as it is in Europe. We have great organization like Nefesh Benefesh that helps all of us that want to make Aliyah do so. They help by uh, giving financial aid on a needs basis. They help with governmental absorption. community-based guidance and support, employment resources, very important. They make your Aliyah as successful as possible. So take a look at their website. They have some big events coming up in March in uh, the major cities in the United States. Nefesh Benefesh, www.nbn.org.il. Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org.il. They have revolutionized Aliyah. And uh, we are proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. There's a great article in the Jerusalem Post last week. I will, if possible, I will do my best to post a link to it. Just give you a taste. Title is, Does Anyone Really Care About the Palestinians? And the author, Charles by Belezer, Charles by Belezer, I think I'm pronouncing it right, points out some incredible, incredible facts regarding what's going on in Aza right now. I don't know if you remember this, but after the uh, the, the war this summer, Operation Tsuketan, there was a big conference in Cairo where all the big Arab countries, the oil-rich countries of the Arab world, came together to pledge... money to rebuild Gaza for their brethren, their fellow Muslims, the Hamas in Aza. You want to know how much was pledged? This wasn't your typical shul um, you know, appeal. This wasn't a UJA dinner. 5.4 billion, with a B, dollars, were pledged by these huge oil-rich countries. Well, how much of that has reached Aza. The Aza that they all point to as being destroyed, decimated, needs to be rebuilt. Well, virtually none of it. The UN, oh, don't we love the UN, they have a special agency for Palestinian refugees. The only refugees in the entire world, and I think in the history of the entire world, who have their own UN agency since 1948. UNRWA, UNRWA, who, by the way, are so complicit in a lot of what the Hamas does. We saw it during the summer. They've distributed from their budget, which, by the way, we, the American citizens, pay a tremendous amount of. They distributed $77 million toward the rebuilding of Aza, or less than 1.5% of the funds that the global community promised. Less than 1.5% of what they pledged. Does anybody ask, where's the money? Did you see any report about this anywhere in the media? No, but if Israel shoots one rocket at a place where they're shooting toward Israel, oh, you'll see that. And here's the bigger question. Why are the people in Aza considered refugees? That's a great point that he makes. If Israel left Aza, which they did, totally and completely, the people in Aza are ruled by Hamas. They basically have a Palestinian state, pretty much, of their own. Entirely vacated by Israel. They claim it as their own. It's so characterized. They have their own governments there. They run the place. They start wars from there. Why are they refugees? Why do they deserve the charity 
money from the UN that we are paying for. And the answer of the author is so true and true of the general picture when we come to discussing the the Palestinian problem, quote-unquote. He says, the issue of, quote-unquote, refugee status in this scenario exposes a deeper truth. The world does not care about Palestinians unless they can be used as fodder in the fight against Israel. That's that's so true. It's just it. The injustices around the world that are taking place are immense. The Palestinians, both in Gaza and in Yehudan Shomron, have it a gazillion times better than their brethren who are up against Boko Haram or up against ISIS or up against the dictatorship of Iran the Muslim Republic of Iran, or even their brethren in Saudi Arabia. They have more freedom. In many cases, they have better economic situation. But the world is totally focused on this issue. The Palestinian refugees. It's shocking, but campuses around the country, the evil of the world is Israel. The pressing issue is not ISIS, it's not what's going on in Syria, it's not Boko Haram, it's not Islamic militants, it's not the rise of militant Islam. No, we don't, no, no, Islam is a religion of peace. No, it's the plight of the Palestinians. That's the biggest issue in the world today. And if that will be solved, they actually believe this. If that will be solved, all the problems will go away. It, it is rather shocking. And this story, really, you haven't heard it. I, I, I don't think it's appeared in any of the major media outlets. Where is the money that was pledged to rebuild Aza? Why isn't Aza being rebuilt? And the money that was given by the UN, I wonder how much of it went to build, rebuild more terror tunnels. Oh, where is this going to end? I do not know. I do not know. We have some new music today. We'll get to some of it. Um, Ya'el Dekelbaum, Shuv El Ha'or, Return to the Light. Really nice uh, number about somebody who's sort of going through the day-to-day of life and the difficulties and remembering how when he was younger he had great dreams and visions of uh, all kinds of things that he would do with his life and how... You know, the grind, the daily grind gets you down and the call is to shuvel or return to the light. Yeah, El Dekelbaum, this is brand new, popular in Israel. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show live on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yael Dekelbaum, Shuvela, or brand new. It's popular in Israel, and we have more brand new Israeli music coming up. Next one will be from Hatikva Shesh, really cool number called Mashi Yehiyeh. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us a part of your day. You know, um, you know the European Union, of course. This is the, uh, the sort of government of the merged European countries. They, they've established one currency and uh, one passport, so to speak. Uh, you can travel freely within all of Europe as if it was one country, you know, one big, one big nation, so to speak. Well, the European Union doesn't like, um, doesn't like Benjamin Netanyahu much and is not a very big supporter of uh, the right wing in Israel. In, uh, since, since 2011 at least, at least, which is, which is a long period, over four years. You know what they've been doing? They've been financing many different left-wing agenda organizations in Israel. Tons and tons of money being shoveled in to some of them are radical left-wing organizations in Israel. Organizations that ultimately use the money, in fact, for political purposes and others, other reasons and other ideas to topple the current government. You know what else they do? The European Union actually funds building in Yehudan Shomron In the course of Cholamoid Pesach 2011, 60 sort of temporary st- structures, buildings, but buildings with facilities with running water, with generators, were just built in the course of about a week. Not far from Ma'ala Adumim. A school, a mosque was erected. Totally illegal. It was on state land. In a closed military zone, but it's a large area, the Bedouins who are around there cooperate with the European Union, and they're not even embarrassed. The European Union has stickers on the buildings saying that they funded the building of these illegal little, almost little villages, I don't know what to call them, little neighborhoods. The same European Union that claims that it is illegal for Israel, for Jews, to build in Yehudan Shemron, are now building in areas that are clearly illegal to build in. Israel does not build on private land, and when it happens in error, the courts oftentimes force Israel to demolish those homes, which I think is a little crazy, but okay. Here they're doing this. On purpose, and they put up a mosque so that if God forbid Israel says, well, this is illegal, we've got to take it down, the whole world will have their media there when Israel brings down that mosque, which was built illegally. And I want you to know this area, Area C, in the Oslo agreements, this is the area that is under full Israeli control, both military and civilian. This is going on in the Gush Etzion area, this is going on North Yerushalayim Atarot area, this is West Yushal, uh, East Yerushalayim area of Mishor Adumim, Yerushalayim Adumim area. 
And by the way, some of these little uh, neighborhoods that are usually populated by Bedouins are on roads that are vital highways. If, God forbid, there's a war, those roads are vital arteries for delivering vehicles, weapons, supplies to the eastern border. The corridor between Jerusalem and uh, the Jordan River Valley. It is um, it, it is unbelievable that this is going on. And really, you don't hear much about it. You do not hear much about it. The, the claim now is um, that they have built close to a thousand such homes. Illegal construction, totally funded by the European Union. Does anybody say to the European Union, why are you meddling in this issue? Why are you doing illegal acts when you're not a party to this at all? That's amazing. And they fund these uh, many of these uh, organizations that aid and abet this conduct and other radical left organizations who, for example, go around the world and try to get different countries and different organizations to bring allegations to court against Israeli soldiers and commanders saying that they're war criminals. And many of these, like Zohra and others, Yejdin, are funded, many are, by the European Union. And, in part, also by American donors who give to funds like the New Israel Fund. Although I think Zohra is not part of the New Israel Fund at this point. But most of the, many of the other far-left organizations are. Who else is meddling in the politics of uh, Israel? S. Daniel Abraham, U.S. billionaire, gave an interview to Arut Shtayim in which he says, yeah, I've uh, given money to V15. He wants to help Israel obtain the best prime minister it can have. You get the code? V15 is not political, they say. We don't care who gets elected. We just want to make sure the best prime minister gets elected. Yeah, right. In fact, one of the spokespersons for V15 said in public on television, anybody from Moshe Kachlon and to the left is fine. Oh, really? So you are political. What, what, what a cynical, disgusting way to do things. You know, oh, we're law-abiding citizens. That's what they always tell you on the left. The law, the law is is paramount, except when it doesn't fit. Except when it doesn't fit. As Daniel Abram has done amazing things, by the way. Let me let me make that clear. He has donated to great causes, given lots and lots and lots of charity money to both American um, Jewish institutions and Israeli institutions that are wonderful and uh, but at the same time he is um, a very big proponent of the uh, left-wing agenda he in fact uh, had many meetings with Yasser Arafat he believed that Arafat was a partner for peace he wrote about it in a book way back when Um, and he continues to fund many in, on, on Israel's left to a great extent, very much aligned with Shimon Peres. And, and what most Israelis realize already is, is never going to happen. This, the idea of uh, coming to an agreement with the Palestinian Authority and all that. Um, but people like uh, Daniel Abraham uh, from the United States um, feel that uh, there is credibility to that and they really fund tremendously these organizations. That's not to say that there aren't right-wing organizations that get funding from outside of Israel as well. Um, It hasn't been as open, I guess, but it does exist. But it is illegal for outsiders, people who live outside of Israel, to contribute to political campaigns in Israel 
more than I think a very very minimal amount, if at all. And um, yet, big money still pours in from the European Union and from the United States, from donors in the United States, who um, find ways to uh, avoid the law and uh, give money to help topple Prime Minister Netanyahu and to try and not allow a right-wing coalition to be put together after the election. Okay, we'll go to some new music. Hatik Vashesh, as promised. Mashi yeah, yeah, brand new music out of Israel. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Shubeta <laughs> Brand new out of Israel. And we bring to you so much brand new music from Israel here on the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you also very, very much for participating. Many of you do on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel Show. We are very close to 300 likes. So um, we appreciate as much as we can, as much as you can, to uh, get your friends, relatives, anybody who's into Israel and wants to likes Israeli music, wants to hear about stuff going on there, um, get them involved, get them to like our Facebook page, and uh, 
helps us, we appreciate it very much. You can comment there or you can send me an email, mayor, M-E-I-R, at nachumsegel.com, mayor, M-E-I-R, at nachumsegel.com. Uh, all right, we're going to try and get this in. Again, uh, the radical left in Israel, and this is a legitimate part of the radical left in Israel, Amos Oz, the author, who many of you might be familiar with, he is recognized around the world, but he is politically on the radical left, um, had a uh, meeting, well publicized, with uh, a group of voters. He is a merits voter, that means he's to the left of the Labour Party, and at this at this gathering where he tried to convince people to vote for merits, he said some, what I think are crazy things. And, and sometimes I, I ask myself, if, you know, let's reverse the roles. If somebody on the right or within the religious community would say this, would they get away? I mean, they would be blasted from all sides. So Amos Oz says, when talking about the Israel Prize, we're not going to get into that whole controversy right now, but the point is that he basically said 70% of the people in Israel don't read literature. Oh, so their representatives shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be involved in choosing who gets the Israel Prize for literature. He basically wrote off 70% of the people in Israel not reading literature. Now, what is literature? You know, I think Torah is also literature. We have great Jewish literature going back thousands of years. I don't think he counts that as literature. And then he says, those 70%, well, maybe they read Israel Hayom. That's like a joke. But really what that is is a jab at the right wing, because Israel Hayom is the newspaper that is given out free, funded by Sheldon Adelson, that supports Netanyahu. So it's sort of like the 70%, the, the overwhelming majority he's talking about, you know, maybe they read that rag, but that's not real reading, and that's not a legitimate paper. In fact, what he's basically saying, it's us, the Ashkenazic elite. We're really the important, the 30%, we're the important ones. The 70%, they don't read. They don't even read literature. It's it's crazy. It really is crazy. Here, I will play this clip for you. Then we'll have to end the show, and maybe we'll continue the other crazy stuff that he said. But here's this clip. Listen to it. Amos O's uh, last week. הוא אמר, יש הרבה מגזרים בחברה הישראלית שלא מיוצגים בוועדות השופטים של פרס ישראל. זה גם נשמע מאוד דמוקרטי. יש בארץ בערך 70% מן הישראלים שלא קוראים ספרות. אולי הם קוראים ישראל היום, אבל הם לא קוראים ספרות. האם בוועדת השופטים של פרס ישראל צריכים להיות 70% אנשים שלא קוראים ספרות? מסיבות דמוקרטיות. אבל הלוא האמת היא שהוא לא רוצה להחליף את ועדת השופטים, הוא רוצה להחליף את הסופרים, הוא רוצה להחליף את השופטים, הוא היה רוצה להחליף את השכנים אם אפשר היה, הוא היה רוצה להחליף את כל מי שלא מסכים איתו, הוא היה רוצה להחליף את העיתונות, הוא היה רוצה להחליף את התקשורת. He, he, he would like to change, he, he'd like to switch, he'd like to, you know, get rid of not just the judges, he'd like to get rid of the journalists, you know, the media, he'd like to get rid of our neighbors, anybody who he doesn't like is not comfortable for him. It's just, this is considered a responsible voice of the left. Amos Oz, he's been trying his best to get the Nobel Prize in Literature for, for forever, because then that'll give him tremendous legitimacy, the Nobel Prize, and he hasn't, thank God. It just boggles the imagination. Okay, we, we have to end. The time, the clock is, uh, is um, ticking here, and uh, we must we must bring the show to a close. We'll do more next week. We'll bring you more about what's going on in Israel. 
And uh, we are one month pretty much away from the elections, and as we get closer, we'll also devote more time to the ins and outs of uh, of the politics over there. We'll uh, close out with Zahava Ben and Zemer Nogeh, known as Hatishma Koli before that. Let me just say thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. We will post during the day on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, links to the songs we played, the articles we spoke about, and more. Keep it tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network all day for great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Let go.